When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey gang, today's guest is guitarist and lead vocalist, Brandon Hardesty, from the Annapolis, Maryland punk reggae rock band, Bumpin' Uglies. Together we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the song, Island Time, taken from their 2019 EP, Buzz. The inspiration for the tune comes from Brandon's wife and her family, and the island they would always go to and spend their summer vacations. Eventually, Brandon would go there too, and one time in particular, he was holed up in their cabin with an injury. While everyone else was out enjoying the sand, sun, water, and adult beverages, and with nothing else to do, Brandon grabbed an acoustic guitar and wrote Island Time. He knew he wanted to tell a story, putting his spin on all those tales he had heard from his wife and her family. The track was produced by none other than Howie Spangler from Ballyhoo and mixed by Ryan Cullen, who not only knocked it out of the park mix-wise, but he also laid down some killer percussion. So for all this and a whole lot more, sit back, grab a cold one, and let's enjoy some island time. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Brandon, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Are you in Annapolis, Maryland as we speak? I am, yeah. You are? Okay. You know, as uh, researching for this episode, I was surprised I did not know you're from Annapolis, which uh, is home also to Ballyhoo. Who knew that that area of the country would have this many beach-inspired, reggae-infused uh, punk rock bands? I didn't. Yeah, we, we've been really close with Ballyhoo um, over the years just because of that. There's really not a lot. There, there's more these days. There's definitely a, a new generation of bands that have um, kind of started coming up but when i started doing it ballyhoo was really the only band and um they helped us out a lot over the years right and you guys have just continued to make a name for yourself uh your first full-length free candy was released uh in june of 2011 from uh, 2012 to 2014 you released uh more studio albums and a live record followed by the release of three EPs in 2015 and 2016 while continuing to tour. And the song we're going to talk about today, Island Time, is from uh, the band's fourth EP, Buzz, which was released on October 4th, 2019. And I've had a number of uh, songs on here that have been hits and fan favorites of bands that have been from an EP, not a full length. And 15, 20, you know, 30 years ago, that would have been so surprising that the song maybe you're most known for would be from an EP. But nowadays, as bands are releasing singles and whatnot, it's just kind of par for the course and what's happening. I feel like for us, like the first record I ever made, it was like very important. Like there was like, a, I wanted there to be like an identity to the record. For me, it was like my first time in a studio, like a real studio. And there was all the romance of it and, and whatnot. And then you... I definitely had some crazy expectations for what was going to happen, you know, so I, you know, wrote, recorded, released the record and then nothing happened. We're still like playing shitty shows and sleeping on floors and stuff. So then it's just at that point, you're just going back in the studio and just keep creating, keep creating. And it, it's not as much about the the packaging as it is just like, you know, getting the songs out and getting them out to people. So for me, it's just like whether it's a full length or a single or an EP, it's like, what do we have right now? Like, what do you know? How much music do we have to, to release to people? 
And something I've never asked a band that that does what you do in that reggae rock world, we'll call it. Have you ever felt like because you know when I go and I, I'm you know I'm from Florida, so I've seen every beach band in the world growing up. Okay, and typically you go see reggae bands and whatnot. You don't need to know the songs unless they're a completely awful band. You're just kind of listening and you're absorbing and you're really most of the time. It, I find it enjoyable. Have you find it hard to break out of that? I don't. I don't know if that's a weird question or not. In terms of like, how do we get noticed? We're we're this band that like you know almost kind of sounds like we're just kind of a beachy band in the background, but no, like we're a national touring act. This is this is what we do. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, because we our whole thing has been DIY just like since the beginning. You know, it's all been self funded and just like all of our buzz was created off of touring and whatnot but social media was huge for me for getting noticed like specifically um when facebook live first became a thing in like 2015 live streaming in general because like there wasn't a lot of money and all the money we had was getting like reinvested into um you know studio time or van payments and then you know there, there was nothing left over for marketing so i was trying to find whatever free marketing i could do so I would do um, little cover videos that I would put on YouTube. I, I threw a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what stuck. And um, one of the things that really helped was Facebook Live um, because, like, I, you know, the first time I did it, I noticed I immediately had like forty something people watching. So, you know, I would I would go on there, I'd play some songs for them, and I talk about our tour dates or I talk about whatever I had to promote. And um, I got to a point where I, I was treating it like a television show. Like I did it every Tuesday. Um, so people could, you know, they would just tune in and they watch it. And, you know, it's, it's one of the most consistent things I hear from people when I'm traveling is how much they appreciate the live streams to answer your question. It led to like separating us from the herd. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. Maybe I phrased that, uh, the, the long way a minute ago, but yeah, there are a lot of bands and you've seen the explosion in the lap for whatever reason, the last 10 years. Okay. Uh, this whole subculture that really goes back all the way to, to, to sublime and possibly even before, you know, the whalers and, and different bands. And now it just seems like there's so much out there and that glut of what you were saying, it's like, how do we stick out? And it sounds like the Facebook live thing was really uh, helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just. I, I hate that I'm about to use this example, but like uh, one of my crew guys is like super into wrestling, just like so into wrestling. And he one listens, of mine is too. <laughs> yeah. So like he listens to the Jim Cornette podcast when we're driving a lot. And I've just by proximity, I've learned so much about wrestling. Um, and I, I don't like it. I don't watch it, but I, I find the business side of it interesting. And one of the things they talk about is when they're finding their character, like the best characters are just their own person like turned up to 11. So like their own personality like turned up to 11. And I think there's a lot to be said about that, about being in a band and separating yourself from other bands, especially in the reggae rock genre or whatever you want to call it, any of this stuff where it's like, there's a lot of stereotypes that people kind of want to play into. It's like good vibes, beachy, fun time and shit. I mean, it's like, there's the stereotypes and stuff, but like what makes you different? And it's like the thing that makes you different is what makes you different as a human. So like, that's in my songwriting, all my songwriting, all my songs come from like a very personal place, but I just, I don't try to be like everyone else. Like we, we, we play the music that we play, but we do our own thing the way that we do it. And it, it makes us unique. And it means a lot of people don't like us, but like the people who do like us, love us, you know, cause there's only one of us. We're not like one of 15, you know, or whatever. Like we're just one of one. Well, thanks for educating me a little bit about that. I guess that's what I was getting at. You know, I know the world that my band comes from, but, you know, uh, from the outside looking in, uh, it was it was interesting to hear you explain that. I guess the EP Buzz was produced by yourself and Howie. Is that correct? Yeah, we um we started working with Howie on our Beast from the East record. And before that, everything was self-produced. And I, I got into this just wanting to be a songwriter. Um, I, the studio game to me was like, you know, like our first few records, we just went in and did the best live version that we could of the of the songs, you know, and that was it. Like, I didn't know about doubling. I didn't know. I didn't even know what panning was. I think I made like three records before I knew what panning was. You know what I mean? Like, it just never, it was never anything that, that I cared about. Like, I wanted to be like, like Hank Williams or like Elliot Smith or some shit. You know what I mean? Working with Howie is what really elevated our, our recorded sound. And, and, and so I, you know, I started learning about like, like, things from a sonic perspective and yeah it, it was huge for us and buzz was the second the second record we made with him 
Well, it sounds awesome. And it was mixed by Ryan Cullen. And I tried to look some things up uh, with Ryan. It just looks like he's been there at the studio. Uh, it's called The Lab, I believe. Annapolis Audio Lab. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how did he come into play with that? Is he, is he an old buddy? or He's just, yeah, man. Like when I when I started doing all this shit, like right out of high school, I started waiting tables. And he it was a drummer in a band that played at the bar that I that I worked at. And they would play every other Saturday night and they were just like the local rock stars. You know what I mean? It was like a a cover band kind of thing, like doing classic rock covers. But I had, you know, I didn't really understand the music industry at all. Like, you know, like when I was growing up, I thought you either like played in like a nationally touring band or you just didn't play music. I didn't realize there was like a whole caliber of like working musicians, you know, that you could just make a living, like a humble living, you know, on, on a local scale. And that's one of the things that kind of inspired me to start my band was like, was this band. And, um, you know, as I started doing it, I would talk to Ryan and, and, you know, he told me how he, he had a studio, you know, and I, I honestly, I got really lucky because he's very accomplished at what he does and he's, he's very talented. And I know a lot of guys who their, their first studio experiences are horror stories where it's like some guy with a focus, right. <laughs> and he doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, yep. Been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, a couple more things before we dive into the track, Brandon. Your sixth record, Keep Your Suitcase Packed, this is really cool. It was released in June 2020 during the pandemic, and you guys released a single every month, uh, which you called The Never Ending Drop. Uh, You were also part of a charity compilation, The House That Bradley Built, which honored Sublime's Bradley Noel uh, and helped musicians with substance abuse. Uh, You covered Sublime's Same in the End. That's a really noble, awesome uh, cause there. Sun beats down from the sky. They give it up and they give it up and they give it up, but they never ask why. Daddy was a rolling, rolling stone. Oh, rolled away one day and he never came home. Ah. It ain't hard to understand. And your seventh album, Mid Atlantic Dub, came out on September 16th, 2022, which brings us up to this year, March of 2023, and the 311 Cruise. Yep. <laughs> How'd that come about? And that was that wasn't your first one, was it? It was, yeah. It was. Okay. Yeah. That was our second one. And what what'd you think of that, man? That's just uh, oh, it's so good. It was fucking awesome, man. It was it was like I mean, that's been a bucketless goal for a long time. I've literally been trying to get on that that cruise for as long as I've been in a band. So it was um it was powerful, man. It was it was it was a good experience and um I think we made a really good impression. It definitely felt like a like a milestone of sorts. Right. And, I, you know, when I was talking earlier, that long-winded uh, question I posed to you, it's kind of like the cruise. You know, a band like yours goes out to 311's crowd, and they're going to eat you guys up. You know, Less Than Jake's a little left of center. However, the fans that go on that cruise are some of the best fans of music I've ever seen. They just totally embraced us. I felt welcome from the first time we did it in 2013. I felt welcome coming back this time. It's just such a great thing. I feel like their fans, they just appreciate music that's done well. And, and which is cool because, I mean, like, you know, bands like you, bands like us, like, you know, we're kind of eclectic and, and do different things. But it's, you know, we do what we do well. And it's it's harder sometimes when you when you take that approach, I, I think. But it's, it's cool when you find, like, genuine, like, music fans to play to and they just kind of run with it. I've always loved that. I don't know if you felt this way, but I, I kind of like being the odd man out a little bit. You know, you kind of have something to prove. You're not going out there and preaching the, to the choir. And we find that a lot. We'll go, you know, we're getting ready to go play the Punk and Drublick, uh, another festival with no effects soon. It's like, you know, not many people are going to hate us there. <laughs> yeah, know, we're kind of yeah. all cut from, cut from the same cloth. But, uh, yeah, what a... Uh, what a wonderful uh, cruise to be to be part of. Can't say enough about the 311 cruise, but I do want to dive in to the song. And I got to say, you know, for you prefacing all this with, I don't really know what I'm doing in the studio and how he was the first time we multi-tracked. I'll say it again. This track sounds awesome. Thanks, man. I, I, I feel really strongly about it. It was, and, and a lot of it, you know, like until I started working with Howie, I could not sing harmonies to save my life. Like he taught me how to like figure out how to do harmonies and shit. And it was, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a quick learner, like as soon as I, I kind of figure stuff out. But um, I mean, I think that song sounds very large. And um, Howie was a big part of that, for sure. Do you remember writing 
uh, Island Time? And was it specifically for the EP or was it something that was held over? No, I just, I don't write like that. I'm just always writing, honestly. Like I, more, more than anything, I'm, I'm a songwriter for sure. And I had that idea for that hook. We used to play these gigs down in um, the Virgin Islands. I mean, they're just these rowdy bar gigs where you're playing through like shitty gear that's been like just ruined by the salt water and whatnot and it's bar <laughs> gigs and shit but they were fun you know we used to crash with a dude down there he would he would book the gigs and he would pick us up from the airport and i remember the first time we got there he was like 30 minutes late and he had a cooler filled with beer in his pickup truck and he cracks the beer and hands up he's like sorry brother I'm, you know running late i'm all, everyone's on island time down here and i was like damn that's like that's a good idea for a song and i carried that with me for a while but what i actually wrote the song about my wife, she comes from a huge Greek family, right? And they immigrated to America a hundred years ago. And, and when they did, they found this island off of the coast of Portland, Maine called Peaks Island that they fell in love with because it reminded them of Greece and um, all the islands out there. And her and her family, they've had a family cottage there for a hundred years. So ever since I've, I've started dating her, like when I started dating her, we would go up there for the summer, you know, her and her family, they would go up for three months, the, the entire summer when they're kids. And, um, to this day, you know, she goes up there for a month. So, you know, I, it was part of the, like, kind of like the, the, the hazing period, you know, like, like when they, right. the, when they're bringing in boys or whatever, like, are, are they going to be okay with the Island? You know? So it's just something we've always done. And I, the year that I wrote that song, I was up there and I broke my foot and they're all doing their shit. They're all like doing the vacation thing. And I'm sitting at the cottage and I have my guitar and I wrote most of the songs that were on the buzz EP and a few others. I think I wrote like 10 songs that week just cause I didn't have anything else to do. But, um, one of the ways I write, I have like a note app where if I have like a hook idea, I just put it in there when it's time to write, you know, I, I just like, I'll pick up the guitar and I'll find an idea and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, let's, let's write about this, you know? Do you hear the orchestrations in your head? Are you are you hearing the horns when you're just, you know, doing the basic basic guitar chords? You're just writing the song on the acoustic. Are you hearing other things at that point or, you know, how do, how does the process work? Is it a, you know, Island Time was a title he had it kind of inspired you, but are you hearing other things as you're creating the song? Sometimes it depends. I mean, like more often than not I'm hearing like dynamics. You know, like I I knew for sure like that pre-chorus in that song is like super vibey and swelly and it's because it has um you know like arpeggiated guitar with delay on it it has like big backing vocals it has horns doing like sustained pad type things it, it builds tension you know like i i knew what i was doing there for sure with, with the pre-chorus like i wanted it to be this big tension building beautiful thing that kind of led to the to the chorus which was like island time you know like to me that was like the the payoff yeah, it's interesting you say that about the tension because we're going to get to that when we start combing through this because the part isn't tense in nature. I know what you mean by that. And w when we get into it, I'll explain more. But it's interesting that you call the tension that, that pre-chorus part. That's really cool. Um, I do want to jump into the song. It's four minutes and 22 seconds. Got a 16-bar intro total. <laughs> first eight bars and correct me if I'm wrong here, Brandon, there's a lot going on in this tune. I did my best to dissect it, but I do have some questions. Uh, it sounds like there's stereo upstroke guitars here. And I believe that is what's going on because I had Howie on recently and I know he likes to do that. And I'm yes. going to take a, a page out of his playbook with that and maybe do that on some less than Jake stuff. Cause I think it's killer. I've never really done that. The way that they're laid out here, these guitars are very percussive the way that they're played. It's awesome. Uh, there's also a single note guitar, another guitar playing a solo with what sounds like a wah pedal. There's keys here. I don't know if this was cowbells or a go-go bells, I call them. Uh, do you know what a go-go bells are? Oh, bro, I'm from Maryland, dude. Go-go is everything here. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. Yeah. 
Okay, so you got the you got the bells going here, uh, and there's sporadic shaker uh, as well uh, on bars eight through sixteen. Uh, the drums and the bass come in on bars thirteen and sixteen. There's a vibra slap that is panned slight left for the listeners that don't know what a vibra slap is. Go listen to the intro of Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne, and you will hear a vibra slap. The intro here, and and we're going to get to the pre-chorus in a second. You use the word tension. The intro, the verses, and the chorus are the same four chords. And that's why I asked you about the instrumentation. Okay, I love songs like this when you when you're looking at it through the microscope and you're looking down and going, whoa, what's separating this? It's just the pre-choruses until you get to the bridge. Yeah. Okay, but it's great. The instrumentation that's winding itself in and out, all the percussion that's happening, the keyboards, the interplay between those noodly guitars. It's killer. Well, that's like a big part of reggae, too, because like there's so much. There's so much reggae that's just like a two chord song. And the whole reason it's interesting is because of the dynamic of bringing in and taking out instruments. Yes, absolutely. And I think there also is a simplicity to it, because if you're thinking of the beach and vibey, it's not this big, busy thing. As you said, it's sometimes two chords. It's three chords. You're in that world, but it's what's floating in and out that makes the parts interesting. Mm hmm. The uh, first verse comes right off this 16-bar intro. Sunrise, doggo snoring. Nothing to do today, but it ain't boring. Shoes on and I'm out the door. Take a run. Along a foggy shore. And by the way, I love how the story goes here, kind of chronologically from morning to night. It's awesome. Sunrise, doggo snoring. Nothing to do today, but it ain't boring. Shoes on and I'm out the door. Take a run along a foggy shore. You were laid up though. You couldn't run. <laughs> I couldn't, but that's like, and honestly, like a lot of, uh, a lot of what I wrote this song about, it wasn't even, I wrote it from my perspective, but I, I was kind of telling my wife and her cousins stories, you know, like I heard all these stories about them growing up um, and, and partying up there specifically like the second, the second verse is more into that. But um, we have this big 90 pound um, lab who's just like, <laughs> just this huge fucking derp. And, you know, he's very lazy and, um, I don't know. Like I, I find a lot of joy in, in just like watching him and like how happy he is. And that's like, to me, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of dog owners probably relate to that when they see the joy in their dog's faces. So like, that's kind of what I was going for with the doggo snoring thing. Like, you know, you wake up and you see your like sleeping dog and how happy he is. You're like, Oh man, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> and my wife, she loves fog. She loves like rain and fog and everything. And that's like one of the things she would always romanticize about the island is how like the fog horns are going off and all this other stuff and she's also you know all, her and all her family and myself we're all runners so that's just like a big part of the the kind of the lifestyle up there is just you know going on a run very cool well we got the uh, stereo upstroke guitars here uh in verse one drums and bass keys are also playing upstrokes here we got a guiro running underneath guiro guiro <laughs> uh for those that don't know what that is it's basically a stick on a wooden instrument that has slats in it that you scrape it along sounds like uh that guiro right there and this is what i <laughs> had here in my notes brand i love about this first verse you're talking about that dog snoring i really thought you had a sample of a snore buried when i first listened to the track <laughs> it's that it's that guiro running through there Doggo snoring. funny thing about all the percussion on this song that's all ryan the the mixing engineer in addition to being a drummer really he's, he's a percussion player and that's just something he would do you know, if he thought the song called for it, he would just, you know, smoke a joint and fucking set up a bunch of microphones at his house and just 
due to percussion. Did anybody mention that sound like a dog snore? Did anybody else say that? Your fans or anybody? I've never heard that, but I, I'm never going to unhear it now. It made me chuckle to where I had to rewind it, and I kept listening to him going, that's genius that they did it on purpose. And even if you didn't do it on purpose, it's still it's still awesome. <laughs> I'll have to ask Ryan. He might have done that. And no, maybe you're just the first person to catch that. No, it's cool. Uh, there's two other guitars here, panned left and pan right. And they're kind of just noodling around. Uh, and there's also uh, the bells are here here again as well as claves uh which are also kind of like wooden sticks do you recall uh ryan playing those at all i wasn't even there honestly like he just it was ah, one of you his... weren't there okay no nah, he just sent me the mix and i was like damn okay that's a lot but it you know and it grows on you i'm hearing bongos here as well yeah sounds about right were any of those laying around the studio he could have played those oh absolutely yeah he i mean he has all the all the shit like I said, there was I had to listen to this one a bunch. There is a lot going on here, and what he brings to the table with the percussion uh, is awesome. That's really cool that he did that. And sometimes it sounds like he's so good, you just trusted him to do it. Uh, I wasn't even there because you just know he's going to kill it. Once again, it's just something I never really, I never really thought about. And then you know, at this point, I have a percussion player in the band because, like, you know, this it's like six, seven years later, and I realize how much it, it fills out the groove. But at that point, it was just like. You know, he kind of asked, he was like, what do you think about me taking a, you know, a pass at some percussion stuff? And then you hear it and you're like, damn, this like fills out the track so well, you know, it just fills all the, the little spaces and complements the groove of it. it, makes it bouncier. Well, speaking about filling in the track, when this tambourine comes in pre-chorus one, it just makes it move. Just the simplicity of that tambourine shaking along. Not that the, the song felt like it was laborious or just, you know, not going anywhere. I don't mean it like that, but it just really moves this part. You know, it d didn't speed up, but it feels like there's some urgency or what you said earlier, tension here. Uh, we get harmonies on every line here, but the harmonies are really subtle. They're not like in your face, super loud. They're just very, very chill. Pot of coffee, fill my cup. Pack a bowl and spark it up. Take a bike out to the rock. Swim until my legs are shot. These are the days. Pot of coffee, fill my cup. Pack a bowl and spark it up. Take a bike out to the rock. Swim until my legs are shot. These are the days. The pot of coffee line. I mean, once again, like the whole thing, the whole thing I was going with this song was I just wanted to like romanticize vacation essentially. And like, you know, that's like what Island time is for a lot of people. It's just like being detached from reality. So I was kind of just trying to find different, different pieces of like happiness that people can relate to. And I mean, for me, like coffee, coffee is life, you know, like, <laughs> like it's definitely the start of a good day. When gotta you, have it. Yeah. You gotta have it. That's, you know, I think that's just like kind of like the start of a good morning. You know, you got your cup of coffee, you got your morning bowl, the beach for them, because it's on an island, they, they, it's not an actual a beach. It's like a collection of rocks where they will all go and set up towels and like bring coolers out. And, uh, you know, they grill out on the rock and whatever and go swimming in the water. So like, you know, take a bike out to the rock is like the, the spot where the, you know, the kind of like the meetup spot. Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Brandon Hardesty coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. To all the guys out there listening, we all know first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, people are going to notice. They'll either think you're way older than you are or that you just don't care about your appearance. Well, show them you do and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. I try to make skincare an important part of my everyday routine, just like brushing my teeth and flossing and styling my hair. It's just as easy and sometimes even quicker with Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Skincare has been the Wild West for men for years. That's why they've made the solution simple. It's three products. The Clean Slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. The Base Layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. And The Good, which is a go-to multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother. They also have the Icon Eye Serum, which addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine Lines dark circles, 
and puffiness. One minute in the morning and at night is all it takes to reduce your skin wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Clinical trials have found that 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for a few weeks. So now is the time to see what it can do for you. We have an exclusive offer for Chris to make a podcast listeners, and it's the best offer available anywhere. Use the code DEMAKES at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. Get 20% off with code DEMAKES at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the confidence you deserve. That's 20% off at calderalab.com with code DEMAKES. You'll be glad you did. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I always go. And now, back to the show. Of course, if you're from Florida or Southern California, you can do this type of lifestyle all year long. But Annapolis, Maryland gets cold. I've been there. Uh, yeah. So I guess you're touring now a lot. So you're, you're getting that itch to go play and you're, you're getting to warmer weather. But was there ever a thought as a band? I, I never even thought to ask this to any other bands. The kind of band that you are of like, hey, we got to get somewhere warmer for, for this kind of, kind of music we're playing because we can't go to the rocks in December. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, for me, like I said, like our whole thing, we've been on that DIY shit forever. Like we just, you know, we haven't done like a lot of support tours. We just headline, you know, that's kind of always been our thing. So like as soon as I realized that was kind of our situation is that we're headlining indefinitely we just go where the weather's good yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, I always try to stay out of canada in january and february as much as i can oh my god yeah fuck that i my agent one time tried to send me to the upper midwest in january and i was just like you're out of your element donnie like what what are you what are you talking about like <laughs> well i also in my notes here brand i put that the the horns are subtle here and i i'm definitely hearing sax uh and trumpet is there a trombone here as well no, it's just trumpet and sax. It is just trumpet and sax. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also hearing, and again, very subtle, at least in pre-chorus one here, there's these oohs, these yep. backing vocals that are harmonized. They're killer, but they're almost inaudible, at least on this first pre-chorus. When we get to the second one, we'll talk about that. I'm not sure if you're even aware about what I'm going to say, but I swear they're louder in the second pass. But anyway, here on the on the first one, how the horns and how the backing vocals are layered in there, it's awesome. Spark it up, take a bike out to the rock, swim until my legs are shot. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I'm talking about with like the tension thing for me. It's like, it's just like layering. It's just like a lot of different layering to, to kind of like hit you in the face and like really be this huge sonic punch in the face, really. But like, that's not offensive you know it's it's like melodic and and pretty and and big but it's like you know it's it's all just building and the, the chord progression too i think complements that a lot where it's, it's the, the progression is like there's not a lot of resolution to it it's constantly building and it's like it's building towards the chorus where there's the like release of this huge sonic kind of thing and you get back to to the more groove kind of focus thing if that makes sense it absolutely makes sense. And there is a release here for the chorus. Typically, the, you know, I, I say typically, a lot of times the chorus is just going to lift. It's going to be the biggest part of the song. I almost feel like the pre-chorus here is your chorus. And first time through, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, because it really does lift there. But it does come back down for chorus one. And we're going to get into chorus one right now. Put me back on island time. I need that state of mind. Everything slow. Put me back on island time. We can't ignore the grind. Island time, but we take it slow. Oh. You know, it's interesting where the downbeat is of the chorus, and until I started 
doing this songwriting podcast. I never, ever would have thought of something like this. But, you know, the lyric of a chorus can start right on the downbeat, like, bang, we're in. It can start uh, after it, where the downbeat comes in, and then you start a lyric, you know, a, a second or two after. In this case, put me back on comes in kind of still in the pre-chorus when you say that that first lyric of the chorus and it hits on the I in island time, if that makes sense. The one of the chorus hits there, but you're singing before it. I never even realized that, but I, I feel like I, with my songwriting, I do a lot of pickups like that lyrically. I don't know how it is for you, but yeah, it's, it's not even like an intentional thing. It's just kind of like how I talk, I guess. Or Well, it's, it's just sometimes how it happens. You know, you look at We Will Rock You by Queen, that's right on the one, you know, but sometimes it's before, sometimes it's after, and it's fascinating how that happens, and we don't even think about it. I'm cognizant of it now, but I've never thought about it before, but I like how that uh, put me back on, that uh, vocal comes in before we're actually in the chorus of Island Time, and the lyric is, put me back on Island Time. I need that state of mind. Island Time, where everything's slow. Put me back on island time. We can ignore the grind. Island time, where we take it slow. Oh. You know, now that I think about it, like I said, I had the idea for this song. Like, I was like, island time, that's a hook. Like, that's that's a good, catchy reggae hook. So I probably, I think what I probably did is I, you know, you can't just say island time by itself. It needs something to like, like, why, what the fuck are you talking about with island time? So like the put me back yeah. is like the qualifier, you know, but at the same time you want the island time to be like the hook you know what i mean so it's like it makes sense that that would be on the one but you need to put me back to get you there you know yeah yeah that's interesting and you know what's the chorus and what's the verse here really they're both the same progressions i almost feel like you know that they they could be intertwined what's separating them is that pre-chorus and I really mm-hmm. love, again, what that does to both of these parts, because this chorus, chorus one, is a release, as you said. You know, it kind of comes out of that out of that part. It sounds like the keys are playing upstrokes here. All the other percussion elements are here in the chorus that we've spoke about. Uh, the backing vocals are loose, but super vibey. You know, they don't sound like they're locked up perfect, but that's not what you want here, in my opinion. You want it to be like, it sounds like a live band. And, you know, you mentioned your earlier recordings were just trying to get the best live performance that you could. Uh, But there still sounds like there's some of that going on here. It's not super lined up. Was that intentional? It was not. No, that was just that was just where we were at in the, um, the, the production journey. You know, I remember like this song drove me crazy. Because I knew like how much potential it had, and I, I I was trying to get that chorus to hit. Once again, like I I was not good at doing harmonies at all until I started working with Howie, and this was like around you know the first record, Beast from the East was like pulling fucking teeth, getting like he had to melodyne the shit out of me to like to get the harmonies to be bright because I just couldn't get my brain wrapped around it, and I, it really started clicking here. And I remember really struggling with the harmonies on this chorus, like knowing it needed harmonies, but just not really figuring out what to do. And that's just kind of where I landed. The other thing too, to like separate it from the rest of the song is that like that really verbed out trumpet, you know, doing like Mm -hmm. the melodic line during the chorus. Yes. That's where I landed, but I knew it needed something to separate it from the verse. And that's kind of where we landed. It's not a very like big part or like, moving part but i think it adds so much for just like filling out the sound you know and just kind of being an additional hook you know like separating it from the verse really well yeah the the horns are killer here and i wrote they have a lot of distance in the mix i love where they sit uh that that trumpet with it's kind of verbed out uh it's almost like a sleepy vibe uh it's it's so chill but it is uh it is another hook we're also getting backing vocals on line one on island time line two we get the whole thing i need that state of mind line three island time you get island time on the fourth line ignore the grind on the fifth and nothing uh Nothing at the back end there uh, of the course. There's no harmonies there. How did that come about? Was that Ryan telling you or Howie in the studio, hey, try this? Or Because it sounds like uh, pre-chorus one, there was harmonies on everything, albeit they were very subtle. But uh, you didn't mention that that was kind of uh, difficult doing those harmonies. Why the chorus? So what happened was when I tracked these vocals, I did the pre-chorus with Howie. And then we finished tracking and I wasn't happy with the chorus. And, and, you know, like Howie lives about an hour and a half away from most Ryan is, is 
in Annapolis where I live. So like I, we're mixing the record and I'm just like losing my mind because the chorus isn't hitting the way I want to do it. So I'm just like just over and over in Ryan's studio, just trying different like like harmony ideas, trying to get something that like that made it. And eventually that's where we landed. Whereas like, you know, I'm listening back and I'm like, okay, that sounds, I, I don't know if you get like that, but like sometimes, you know, you're like, you're listening to it. You're like, this just doesn't sound like a chorus to me yet. You know? Yes. Like I, I feel like a chorus just, it, need, it has like this certain sound to it where it's like, I'm the fucking chorus. You know what I mean? Like it needs to like, mm-hmm. there needs to be no question that this is like the chorus of the song to me, you know? Gotcha. Well, right after chorus one, we go into an eight bar reintro. And at the end of this, right on the word sunset for verse two, uh, there's a really great tremolo on the guitar effect there. It, it's really cool. That ushers in verse two. Sunset, hit the cottage to clean up, crack open a bottle of the hard stuff, pregame, then we're out the door, start a fire on a moonlit shore. This is kind of what I'm talking about when I was saying I was borrowing from my my wife's experiences. For them, like growing up, that was like where they kind of like experimented with like, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. And that's like what they would do is they would sneak out to this rock, like this little like beach spot that they hung out at during the day, you know, and they would take whatever booze they could they could get, whatever kind of weed they had or whatever, and they would just go get fucked up, you know, and then come back. And I thought that, you know, and that was like, you know, you mentioned earlier how it's like the day into the night. Like that was like a very conscious decision. I was like, okay, verse one's going to be daytime, like a really good daytime on vacation. And then verse two is going to be like a really good nighttime on vacation. So I, you know, I borrowed from those experiences to kind of put that together. Yeah, I love that. And I I wrote here and we'll get to it in a second. But pre-chorus two, the lyrics had to be different. Because they, you couldn't copy and paste pre-chorus one. And, and again, I think that that, for me, is what almost makes this, you know, typically a chorus has the same lyrics, I know. But uh, the, the, the pre-choruses in this song are almost a chorus in and of themselves, just because of how they hit me uh, when, when I'm listening to it. Verse two gets really moody. Those stereo guitar upstrokes are not here uh, on verse two. It's just bass, drums. I'm hearing the bongos. Uh, there's a guiro on stuff. That's that, uh, that stick noise that you're hearing after the word stuff here. And then I don't know what keyboard was used here. It sounds like a Rhodes on the line pregame and we're out the door. It's a very sparkly key that comes in. It's a new sound. Pre-game, then we're out the door. Uh, it's awesome. It really, really changes the whole vibe of the song when that comes in. Yeah, it's definitely an electric piano. I don't remember if it was a, a Rhodes or or Whirly. Yeah, I love that. And then uh, there, those keys are kind of uh, hitting those chords on pregame, on door, on start, and on moon, uh, as well as a noodly guitar comes in on lines three and four here, mimicking the bass guitar. And that's the only time in the song that that really happens when those guitars are following it. I think that's awesome. And, and do you recall, was that something that, hey, you're in the studio and how he's like, hey, we should run a couple guitars up this way? Or is that something you thought of? How'd that uh, happen? That's how he's bread and butter right there. It's called a, a sticky. It's a big thing in, in reggae. And it's just a cool way to like, move along the song is having an electric guitar double the bass line. And this yeah. is this is kind of like what we were talking about earlier as far as like dynamics in, in reggae and like moving it along. It's just like a cool way to move along the song. It's just, you know, it's 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 obviously it's verse two, but it's not the same orchestration as verse one, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I love I love what happens here in verse two. It kinda kind of breaks down. Uh we get into pre chorus two right off of verse two. Stars. These are the nights 
Crack a beer and throw it back. Listen as the ocean crashes. Call the crew and hit the bar. Or fall asleep while counting stars. These are the nights. My wife gives me shit about this all the time because, like, I would, I, I'm like so ADD. Like, I, you will never catch me in my life, like, falling asleep, like, looking at stars. It's just, that's, it's boring to me. But, like, my, my <laughs> wife loves that shit, you know, and she's told me so many stories of that. So it's like, I was really, I was trying to romanticize. I think a big part of, like, songwriting is just, like, romanticizing ideas. So it sounds like you were channeling a lot of her experiences. That, I mean, that's absolutely what it was. It's like, this place was so special to her and her family. And she told me all these stories about it, you know, and yeah, I, I really just kind of relayed that into the song. You know, I threw a little bit of my own stuff in there, like my own taste and, and, and flavor. But really what I'm trying to go for anytime I write a song is like you have the idea that, that you're writing, but you want other people to to feel it. You know, So like, how are you going to how are you going to convey that? And I, I think um, putting out ideas that are kind of like un- universally connectable is good, you know, so. I took the things that, that meant the most to her and tried to use that for the lyrics. So, you know, that's, that's really what that all is. It's just the, you know, the different options that you have in the night, you know, like how, but the, and they're all good options, but it's like, it's almost like the, uh, the freedom to do whatever you want to is, is the beauty in itself. I could, that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, pre-chorus two is the same instrumentation pretty much as pre-chorus one. But as I mentioned earlier, did you ever notice that those ooze, those backing vocals, they sound like they're a dB or two higher here in pre-chorus two, or am I just hearing things? I never noticed that, but I, I wouldn't put it past. Uh, I mean, it, it would make sense. That would be a cool, a cool mixing technique. I'm telling you, a ABM. If you, if you, you know, if you're bored one night and uh, you're, you're tired of counting stars, and tell me if you hear it, because I, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's louder there in, in pre-chorus two. Uh, I love that those backing oohs are haunting. They're so subtle, you know, and, and, and I, the fact, maybe I knew they were coming for pre-chorus two in all fairness, and maybe that's why my ear picked up and, and heard them a little louder. I don't know, but I swear they're louder. And again, on pre-chorus two, we get harmonies on each line, taking us right into chorus two. Put me back on island side. I need that state of mind. Island side. Where everything's slow Put me back on island side We can't ignore the crime Island side Where we take it slow Same instrumentation and lyrics as Chorus 1. And I got to ask, now that we're here at Chorus 2, was there any thought, and there is a lot lyrically going on here information-wise, imagery-wise, was there a thought of maybe changing up a word or two or were you just like no this is going to stay the same uh, lyric wise no it, it always had to stay the same i think the last chorus i changed up the phrasing of the last um of the o's or something and that was very yes. intentional it was like a sense of finality right i feel like if you're going to change a chorus it needs to be super fucking intentional and it's like it almost makes it like i don't know it, it makes it less catchy you know what i mean so you really have to have an idea here and i i just thought the island time idea was such a strong hook. I didn't want to get weird with it. You know, I, I really wanted that chorus to be a, a chorus that like lives in your brain forever. I think you made the right decision. We get a 16 bar bridge off a of chorus two here. And you know, the, the, the drum pattern is still in that same world of the chorus, but we do get, we get a chord change. We get some chord changes here. The, uh, um, the progression uh, changes from the rest of the song. So this is the one part in addition to the pre-choruses that are different chords from, from the rest of the hook, the rest of the song. Oh, only your long clock that's ringing is the far chord that's singing to me. Only thing I am planning is a nap in the hammock got three. Only alarm clock that's ringing is the foghorn that's singing to me. Only thing I am planning is a nap in the hammock at three. Savor the scene because we're living the dream till it's back to reality. So for this, it's like the rest of the song is a story, essentially. And this is like kind of the cliff notes. You know, it's like if, if Morgan Freeman 
is is narrating <laughs> this song, you know. <laughs> you know, that is awesome that that you just told me that because that's something that I did not pick out and if there's four lines in the song that sum it up, it, it it's these lines because that kind of uh, sums up every great vacation. You're out there living the dream. You're hearing the waves crash. Someone's bringing you another drink. You know, the, the birds are chirping. It's a beautiful day. But at some point, it's back to reality. It's back to the grind, right? Yep. When everything comes to a screeching halt. Uh, you get <laughs> you get harmonies on all three lines here until till it's back to reality. There's no harmony there. Again, the harmonies here are are pretty uh, pretty subtle. The horn melody here is killer. It's like staccato horn stabs that are happening on the first two lines. On the line, savor the scene because we're living the dream. The horns open up here. And then the guitar gets a bit growly on the last line. Really digs in here, those chords, and it kind of growls and swells up. And puts us into chorus three, which we break right back down. This is definitely a release here because on the first line, we get just guitar, vocals, and a little bit of percussion. Put me back on island time. I need that state of mind. Island time, where everything's slow. Put me back on island time. We can't ignore the grind. The rest of Chorus 3 is basically uh, the same. Something interesting, though. On the line, ignore the grind in the back half. There's no harmony there. Was that intentional? That was probably me just not being able to come up with a harmony. (laughs) Okay, because it is on the other two choruses. That's why I asked. Yeah, I don't don't even remember at this point, but... uh... Okay, okay. Yeah, sometimes you'd be like, yeah, we didn't want it there. We wanted to leave it off. We wanted to, you know, kind of fool the, the ear of the listener or something. And sometimes it's like, I don't know. I don't know why there wasn't a harmony there. I can go back to our records. I'm going, why did we do that the first two times? Didn't do it. If anything, we shouldn't have done it the first two times and done it the last time for some more yeah. ear candy. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. And then the OO is twice here. And you, as you mentioned a little bit ago, you get a little bit of different phrasing. And then we get a 16 bar outro. Because you can, with this song and this kind of music, you can just kind of let it go. A new clean guitar sound comes in here with a solo. Uh, The solo, again, is a new sound. It's super beachy, almost surf rock, the the solo that comes in. It's not really the wah sound that you get at the top of the song. I think it's killer. Uh, As well as all the aforementioned instruments are in here. The one last thing, Brandon, before we end the discussion here of talking about the song, the horns sound less processed here than they do the rest of the song. Do you hear that? I've never noticed it, but now I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to revisit that. Yeah, they really do. They sound way more natural. Like there's not a lot of uh, effects and stuff on them, especially on the very end uh, fade out of the horn. You get that sax off left and it just maybe the, the stuff was, was cut by that point, the effects or something. You know, they sound very, very natural. I bet that's because they're not really doing like a lot of rhythm shit um, in the rest of the song. Like they, I feel like the horns are the most prominent during the pre-chorus, which the whole yeah. vibe of that is supposed to be like ethereal. And then there's the bridge. Which, I mean, they're kind of, you know, they're staccato there and rhythmic, but I mean, it's still, that's kind of like a vibey spot. And then the, the chorus where there's the trumpet and it's super fucking processed. So, I mean, yeah, that could have been like an intentional thing to keep them cleaner because it's just more of an open rhythmic spot for them. Well, I, I love it. I love the mix on this track. There's a lot going on. You know, you take the song for face value, just like, oh, okay, this is kind of a, a simple rock song. Uh-uh. When I when I got into this thing, I was like, wow, this <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh a lot of things floating in and out. And before we break here, I have to ask you, you got a lot of great songs. I've been listening to your listening to your stuff the past couple of days. What is it to you 
why this song has resonated so well with your fan base. We're in this like American reggae space that just has a huge has a huge audience right now. And this song is like very much like in that vibe. Like it's in that world that's appealing. That whole world is like kind of just about like relaxation and kind of, you know, like being on vacation, you know, and that's like what this song is about is, is vacation, you know, and I purposefully, like when I knew like the song had potential, you know, I took the moneymaker chord progression, you know, you can only do it like once or twice a record, which is like (laughs) one, four, six, five, you know, like, yeah, I was like looking at I'm yours by Jason Mraz and kind of trying to like use that as like a starting point. But it, you know, it's it's like it, it it was set up for success. It's a good idea, like the song. It's a good hook idea. It was recorded well. It's like the music is not super hard to digest, and it's pleasant, but like not boring. You know, it keeps you interesting. I think it just had all the elements for um for success, and then it went over well. You know, we got kind of lucky. Heck yeah! Well, that was a that was a great way to sum it up. And before we break, what's going on with Bumpin' Uglies? What do you guys got coming up? Ah oh, man, I'm leaving tomorrow for like three months. <laughs> Just heading- ah, calm yeah. before the storm. Yeah, yeah. So we're flying out to Montana. We're touring all all fall with the Expendables, and it's it's two legs. So we got the first leg starts this week. Then we have like two or three weeks off where we're doing a festival out in Ohio, and then Reggae Rise Up in Las Vegas, and then we start the second leg in Tulsa towards the middle of October. Right on. We'll tell Raul and those guys in Expendables I said hello. I will for sure. The party doesn't start till the wild girls show. Pocket full of duchess twisted up with the drill. Handle full of captain, baggy full of blow. It's about to turn up. If you know, then you know. Go! Hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brandon Hardesty. But the party is not over yet. There's lots more Chris to Makes a Podcast coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's band you might not know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to band you might not know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is only on weekends a pop-punk rock-and-roll band from the New Jersey, Philadelphia area, featuring Harry Rose on vocals and guitar, Jim Neal on guitar and vocals, John Devine on bass, and Anthony D'Andrea on drums. You can find their music on all the streaming platforms. Here's a snippet of their song, Answers. Chris and Chris. Chris, I'm ready to take a vacation. It's been a few years for me. When's the last time you went on an actual vacation? I know you're always traveling, but when's the last time you took a proper vacation? Um, <laughs> I hate vacations. <laughs> I, I, and only because I travel so much and I'm the luckiest SOB in the world. I find myself on a beach a lot of times or I find myself in a mountainous area and I can pull up a chair and I can kick back and listen to some music. So those are my vacations. I'm very lucky. Um, the thought of planning a vacation makes my palm sweaty. Like got to get the hotel, got to go here, got to get the RV. Like, no, I'm, I'm not that guy, but, uh, yeah. Yourself. You don't have a tour manager to do that for you when <laughs> when you're taking a personal vacation. I'm kind of the same way. I don't take a lot of vacations. But that being said, you could put on a song like this and escape away, uh, at least in your mind, 
for three or four minutes, right? There you go. You know, this this type of, of reggae rock, and it is probably the most popular it's ever been, uh, definitely in the United States. But, you know, and that's why I had, had asked Brandon early on in the conversation, and I don't it was kind of long-winded. I don't know if I phrased it that well, but I was just trying to say, how do you stand out? How do you how do you get across the point that we're not just another feel-good band playing in the shadows? And and I say that with with a, a ton of admiration and respect for the bands that are doing this. You know, I, I I'm envious of it uh, of sorts because I look at it and like you're you're watching this band play. You don't have to know their songs, know a thing about them. A lot of them. And if they're good musicians, they're singing in key and, and you know, you can listen and, and, and have a great time with it. How do you get noticed with the glut? And this band has worked tremendously hard uh, the last 10 years to get noticed. He mentioned Facebook Live. I thought that was very interesting, Chris. Yeah. I mean, getting out there in front of people anyway, you can do it, even if it's virtually. And a big thing about reggae is setting a vibe, which Bump and Uglies definitely does. And these guys are crazy productive. They have released so much music over the course of their band. Sometimes, you know, in my own experience, sometimes we'll have a couple years break between album releases and these guys have just been nonstop. And I think, you know, just from an outsider looking in, uh, that seems to be a big uh, point in their corner as well. Yeah, he kept uh, you know mentioning DIY, doing everything themselves, and there's something to be said about that. You know, you can really build a loyal, strong fan base by doing that. And you know, I, I typically ask the the guest, you know, point blank, what is it about this song? And and he basically summed it up. It's just it's real lyrics. It's sung with conviction. Uh, it's 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 a lyric that came from the heart, uh, and it was basically written about uh you know his wife's experiences uh through him it's pretty cool right and like i said earlier this song kind of takes you to a place literally it sets the scene in the lyrics of where you're at he talked about how his wife likes to romanticize the fog and he does that in the lyrics uh you you feel like you're there when you listen to this song even down to seeing the dog snoring and he talked about how that makes him happy <laughs> and how when he sees that he thinks oh man it's gonna be a good day i feel the same you know with my pets if i wake up and i see my cats and i'm like oh man they look so cute laying there sleep, sleeping next to me i might lay for a few more minutes so i can definitely relate to that i love mentioning a good pet in a song every once in a while and he also mentioned having a producer who added lots of percussive elements to the song which is very very cool in punchline our drummer Corey goes nuts with it he goes crazy with it he lays down so much stuff to the point where he's like hey i'm just putting everything in here this is over the top but the mixer can make decisions of what to use and what not to use but man those percussive elements add so much, just like they do in this song. Well, yeah, you you said it all. I mean, uh, Ryan Cullen, who mixed uh, and recorded the track, uh, he played the percussion of this, and the song just would not be the same without it, Chris. And I, I can't recall. I, I know we've done songs with, with pretty heavy percussion. I, I don't recall ever saying this, though. You know, This song definitely would not be the same without it. It just wouldn't be the same track. Just like he said, it complements the groove. Mm-hmm. It does what it's supposed to do, and it just makes you feel it all the more. I love anything like that. It's funny. I talked about how you know the drummer in my band w- will do that. I actually like it when everything is in there. Now, I know, <laughs> I know that's over the top and too much, and that the mixer makes it more tasteful. Personally, I like the kitchen sink when it comes to those percussive elements. I Sometimes I miss them when they're gone, when it's the actual mix. Yeah, and it sounded like he wasn't even there when Ryan recorded these parts. He kind of just trusts them. He's just yeah. so good to do it. And uh, the spots he put this stuff in, very tasteful. At the same time, it wasn't cookie cutter. You could tell he wasn't copying and pasting this from another uh, section of the song. It was on the fly. And I like the sporadicness of that. I like that, you know, and, and that was what took me so long to comb through this track was there was a lot of stuff going going on is uh, mostly coming from the percussion yeah 
This episode really inspired me to take a little bit, maybe even just half an hour of island time today, even if it's just sitting here in my office. (laughs) Uh, I need to take a little break every once in a while and relax. And if any listeners out there need a little break to relax, maybe you want to check out the After Party podcast, which is the podcast that Chris and I do together each week. It's a bonus episode for members of our supporting cast, which is like a Patreon, but we call it supporting cast. You can go to ChrisDemakes.com and sign up. And Chris, did you like that segue into my plug for the uh, supporting cast? You know, three years and counting, Chris, and you still amaze me mm-hmm. with how you segue. I, I just <laughs> Chris segue Fafalius, ladies and gentlemen. And yeah, head over to ChrisDemakes.com. We'd love to have you be part of our Patreon that we call supporting cast. ChrisDemakes.com. Find out all about it over there. Give me a follow on Instagram at less than Christy and give Chris a follow on Instagram at Chris Fafalius. I had uh, an enjoyable time breaking down this song. I think if there ever was a time in my life for a vacation, it'd be right now. I might take some island time. Hell yeah, man. You deserve it. Right on. I want to thank this week's guest, Brandon Hardesty from Bumpin' Uglies for sitting with us. And we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Chris Demakes, a podcast producer, Chris Fafalius. Will you do me a favor real quick? Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to One Hit Thunder. It's the show that I host with my good buddy, Matt Kelly, where we have guests from the world of music and comedy and art. And together, we dive deep into a band or artist that people consider a one-hit wonder and decide if they brought the thunder or were just a blunder. You'll laugh, you'll learn, maybe you'll get mad at us. Who knows? We have an enormous back catalog that includes episodes about Eagle Eye Cherry, Stacy Q, Looking Glass, The Weather Girls, Tag Team, Four Non Blondes, Martika, Creation, Sixpence None the Richer. I could go on and on. But how about you just subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods and experience the fun for yourself. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.